I am Dr. Sriparna Pathak. I am an associate professor at OP Jindal Global University. I teach courses on Chinese foreign policy and the People's Republic of China before and after World War II. And needless to say, I am a China watcher. I'm Namrata Sija and I work for the Center for China Analysis and Strategy and we focus mainly on uh, you know the current developments in China and Tibet and uh, my my core area of interest is Chinese foreign policy and I'm looking at the China Pakistan economic corridor and uh, also India Taiwan relations You're listening to Indo-Pacific Voices a podcast for regional perspectives on a wide range of topics with one mission explore the emergent issues facing the Indo-Pacific. So glad to have you here and uh, you know I couldn't think of a better person to speak to uh, with regards to Wang Yi's visit. So you know without further ado I'll quickly come to the questions. Um, You know unlike what is generally the case with uh, visits from diplomats or you know uh, state heads or important dignitaries this whole affair was a very muted affair and uh, why do you think this is the case like what could be the possible reasons from the chinese and the indian sides respectively for this whole secrecy before the visit see um i think that's what has been really disturbing and a lot of people have questioned why the indian government did not announce or why even mofa did not announce about this visit so i mean if you look at from the indian perspective uh you know whatever has been happening uh, i think from 2014 or uh, maybe from the time that uh, before that two years before that when president xi jinping actually took uh, over in um, you know prc so uh, i i looked at it at as you know especially 2014 why i mentioned uh, because i look at this junction when actually the belt and road initiative uh, the china pakistan economic corridor which uh, was uh, which became part of the you know belt and road initiative was introduced and i feel that is the point where of course i'm not saying that india china relations were was you know like a rosy picture or something before that but this is from where i would see a point where it started going downhill and started going downhill downhill in a major way because when it when we talk about china pakistan economic corridor so china is investing money in uh, pakistan occupied kashmir right so this kind of uh, impinges on our sovereignty right. which the belt and road initiative doesn't do with any other country right mm-hmm. there are investments there are projects but here it directly impinges our sovereignty and when president xi jinping says that they will not compromise when it comes to their sovereignty when it comes to their uh, you know core interest then you know they should at least have respected india's core interest so when they you know thought about this seat they did not think about this project uh, overnight right it was a grand project which was planned and it must have been planned at every level so uh, and there were high level visits before this was announced mm-hmm. from china to india mm-hmm. so at least if you know they felt that uh, you know even a little bit uh, you know they would have wanted india china relations to remain normal or they uh, you know uh, you know the way they have been projecting uh, that india should join the belt and road and how important india is to the belt belt and road they should have at least consulted with us which never happened mm-hmm. this announcement uh, when it came i think that 
uh, sowed, uh, you know, uh, seeds of suspicion, at least here amongst the policymakers and also the government, that suddenly this China-Pakistan economic corridor could not have been announced and we were not informed. And from here, I see a constant, uh, you know, decline in India-China relations. Of course, many things happened in between. We had the uh, you know, like every summer, the incursions that we ha we were having. But 2013 was also a particular time when the incursion was, uh, you know, um, for a longer period and which, uh, you know, came deeper into India. So that was the time when Lika Chiang was visiting India. And then uh, 2014, this uh, CPEC happens. And then 2017, all of us know the 72-day uh, uh, standoff Doklam crisis happens. And I think uh, that damaged India-China relations to a great extent because the kind of uh, articles that were being written in the Chinese language media, uh, state media, and also the English language state media, mm -hmm. that targeted India. And after a really, really long time, not only India, but it uh, made personal attacks on our prime minister, Mm -hmm. on our national security advisor and also a foreign minister, Shishma Swaraj. Mm -hmm. So I think um, that 72 day and the campaign that was started by the Chinese embassy here in India, I think we all should note that mm -hmm. because uh, there was a delegation from the Chinese embassy that was going to all the think tanks that was meeting uh, a lot of people and was kind of lobbying and also, uh, as usual, trying to put the blame on India. And right. I happened to be, um, you know, a part of, uh, you know, a meeting that happened between the Chinese diplomats here in um, uh, India. And the way they had put it was that if India doesn't back, back down, then they will have to do something. And they were also worried that the party congress is around the corner. They were not worried about BRICS that much, which everyone here in India was projecting it to be. But they were really worried that if this continues, the standoff continues, they will have to delay their party congress. Mm -hmm. And we must all remember that was a very significant party congress as far as Xi Jinping was concerned, because mm -hmm. he, of course, announced that was a time when he announced uh, his 30-year uh, era, mm -hmm. you know, the new era that we all call that he will be the president for 30 years. And that is the time he made a lot of important announcements. Mm -hmm. So they were actually worried about the party congress and uh, not that much worried about the BRICS conference. Right. So they uh, very bluntly said, you know, uh, something uh, worse can happen if India doesn't back down. Now, India's position was that India is in Bhutanese territory or Indian territory, not in the Chinese territory. But, uh, you know, the diplomat that we met very, met very clearly said that uh, this is, uh, they never expected that India will react so quick, quickly. You know, whatever was happening, they never expected India to react because uh, like his, our history, uh, you know, tells us that we never react. Mm -hmm. When Li Chiang uh, came, there was an incursion. When President Xi Jinping came, there was an incursion. We never reacted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this uh, decision, they were very surprised that within 24 hours, uh, you know, our uh, armed personnel were actually there at the spot. So that is a time when a propaganda was unleashed within India by the Chinese embassy here and also uh, in China. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you remember, especially in the Chinese media um, and Chinese bloggers and all, when this um, tension was actually diffused, mm -hmm. then there was an article, a couple of articles which said that China has actually given money to India. 
to you know uh, back uh, back down uh, and for this mofa actually released a statement saying that nothing like this has happened so you know uh, it means that you know uh, at least people in china were also not happy and the standoff it was just a diffu- i mean it was only diffused it never kind of uh, you know ended Mm-hmm. and then again we have this wuhan summit we have the chennai summit which uh, to my surprise a lot of china experts that we have in india they were saying it's a new era and you know the relationship has repaired i mean to me it's uh, it was um, it was all like a total uh, you know whitewash oh, yes. or something that they were trying to just you know portray nothing uh, okay what it did was just to cool down the temperature that's all it did Mm-hmm. so there was no um, new era there was nothing that uh, you know i would say not even repaired the relationship yes whatever the temperatures that had you know really gone up during the doklam crisis came down a bit mm-hmm. that at least it did but to me wuhan summit and also the chennai summit did nothing other than this and also these informal summits i don't understand them and uh, for me i feel why should we have an informal summit Mm-hmm. we should have an agenda we should know what is being discussed and yeah. it should be made very clear what is happening uh, you know when these discussions are taking place mm-hmm. and had these uh, two meetings been so um uh, successful as had been portrayed here at least in india and uh, of course china def- definitely was the one that was pushing that propaganda mm-hmm. uh, why did we have the galwan valley incident true true that's another thing mm-hmm. and then happened this galwan valley incident that kind of you know um i would say when it was going downhill it kind of created another um, uh basically a nail in you know whatever the coffin we can call it of course we are still talking we are doing things but killing of 20 soldiers at least in india i feel that uh, a lot of things happened at uh, that same time because covid was happening people were already uh, fed up of the covid in india mm-hmm. and these 20 soldiers indian soldiers were killed mm-hmm. in india i saw a change in the public because initially it was all of course it still is pakistan pakistan mm-hmm. but then i think slowly people started realizing that uh, we have delayed uh, too long uh, you know just saying that pakistan is our number one enemy but we never realized who mm-hmm. you know has emerged uh, or maybe was always there but we failed to realize we failed mm-hmm. to read the signs mm-hmm. i think always we have failed to read the signs mm-hmm. and also we have what we have failed uh, to understand is the chinese leadership right the way they think you know and what they think about india so i think uh, when the galwan valley incident also happened i cannot accept the fact that such a big operation happened uh, on the spot mm-hmm. and it was not planned the way they have you know they came uh, especially you know uh, to the uh, on the lac and everything whatever happened it was definitely planned the western theater command which is responsible directly of course for india it it cannot uh, and it was not one intrusion it was intrusion from multiple uh, points okay and that big an intrusion from multiple points cannot happen without uh, you know uh, at least four msds coming together mm-hmm. and uh, you know getting the approval from the highest 
in China, and we all know which who that is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if somebody says it was an on-the-spot intrusion, it cannot happen. It happened at many places mm-hmm. simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So, to me, like the other incursions, it was a planned and a well-thought-out um, incursion. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, you know, Wangi visits us. First of all, <clears throat> the Indian government. If you fe- uh, if we feel that it was the Indian government that did not announce. on its own then i think maybe they wanted to cancel the visit mm-hmm. in the sense mm-hmm. looking at the incursions that is happening mm-hmm. but uh, i'm sorry to say maybe they, they did not have the courage to do so right so they were you know just keeping it secret that last minute they will cancel mm-hmm. but they did not have the courage as usual to cancel right from the chinese perspective they wanted to keep it as a hashash affair mm-hmm. for two reasons mm-hmm. i feel one of course like all of us today are discussing why it was kept a secret you mm-hmm. know to kind of sow the seeds of suspicion not only here but also in the west of course we are it's been 10 years that we have been portraying that we are getting closer to the us we're discussing the quad we are discussing the indo pacific we are doing all that mm-hmm. and suddenly wangi comes and we don't even announce it so you know that's the chinese style you remember when doklam happened um there was a visit by rahul gandhi to the chinese embassy and they actually mm-hmm. posted a picture of it right. but after 2 hours they removed the picture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that that's chinese style okay that's what they did to of course so uh, seeds of suspicion you know and same they you know that's that's the plan that they uh, you know had in mind mm-hmm. and second you know uh make uh, keeping it secret or but also coming they are kind of showing to the world that they are still talking to india mm. they have kept the channels open they are visiting india they want to have good relationship they are mm. uh, you know um, they are still kind of um, convinced that diplomacy can solve everything mm-hmm. after 15 uh, commander level meetings uh, meetings failed mm-hmm. so to me it is it is a, it was a very i mean at least the indian government yes if it was thinking of maybe cancelling or they were you know in double mind whether they should have it or not if that was the thing but i feel all these things will create more problems mm. so this is And, really interesting uh, you know i really like uh, you know the way you have plotted and found out as to how uh, you know the chinese strategy uh, the whole focus on deception you know how to keep things ambiguous and um, you know indian uh, us mutually gets suspicious the us the west gets more suspicious of india because you know everything is kept hush hush and at the same time china gets to showcase to the world that you know it really despite it being the victim as it has been crying out loud for so many days and years and every time that there's been a crisis and yet they want to put the first step forward as far as diplomacy goes so this is really interesting but do you you know and that brings me to the second question wangi came and um we don't really know what exactly he had in mind but do you think there has been any tangible outcomes of this visit are there any movements you know is, is india china relationship actually headed for some sort of betterment because of wangi's visit or you know has there been anything tangible at all from this visit uh personally if you ask me i mean having uh, studied china for some time i i don't feel any tangible uh, uh we achieved anything tangible i the chinese uh, whatever they wanted to achieve they achieved 
you know what they wanted to portray what they wanted to say what they wanted to uh, you know depict they have done that mm-hmm. i think what i mean from a visit what are the tangible things did we solve the border issue no did we solve the uh, the intrusion is still going on it's been mm-hmm. two years if somebody you know like i don't know like people are talking about uh, um, there were a couple of articles that i read something is going to happen what is going to happen the intrusion is still happening Mm-hmm. They so, are, they are, you know, st- the intrusion is still happening, and we are entertaining Chinese foreign minister here. So, what tangible things? See, uh, at least uh, something good that the Indian government did was that Prime Minister Modi or any high level, other high level people did not meet him. Mm-hmm. It was uh, just the foreign minister and the national security advisor. The Chinese, of course, uh, invited the national security advisor for a visit to China. Mm-hmm. which i think was made very clear that he said only after the current issues are resolved will i visit okay mm-hmm. and uh, i hope at least what maybe um, they also came to discuss the brics thing that the prime minister should visit um i think if some sense prevails at least in our south block uh, this visit should not happen true true because like i said the intrusion is going on True. so let's not fall victim again to the chinese propaganda to the chinese uh, games of deception mm-hmm. so to me nothing tangible was achieved and um, i think like i said it was just kind of a, a picture that the chinese wanted to paint that you know the channels are still open we are still talking i think that is what they want to achieve and the second thing uh, because i think it also relates to your next question about the ukraine thing whether you know um india and china views converged to me it was very important also mm-hmm. uh and i think it is important for all of us in india to understand that what the chinese are playing here is also that they are portraying that india and china their views converge when it comes to the uh to russia and war right. that russia has started against ukraine mm-hmm. because if you pick up chinese language media i at least i find so many articles where they are talking about uh you know that the west is criticizing us but india and china see eye to eye when it comes to russia true and true I, yeah i think the state controlled media is also all yes. all of a sudden you know there's this great efforts being put in by all of them i think i read a tweet sometime ago by who she jin when when he is uh, saying that you know um, rush is something on the lines of china is a truck which you know um, russia can bank on and india is a tank which russia can bank on and um, you know us is the aggressor and us is hegemon and all sorts of things you know so it is really clear that they are going overboard with all sorts of propaganda at all sorts of levels so um you know maybe this was um, you know now that you talk of it i think this visit one facet of it and one huge facet of it definitely was sowing seeds of further discontent between the us and the west um, and uh, india on the other hand uh because you know there's already a huge chasm uh between us and india given you know our different responses to russia of course you know china and india have abstained from voting on russia but for very very different reasons uh but then you know the west probably expected india to you know join in um the you know probably to come to the west's corner uh, as far as the, as far as the crisis in ukraine is concerned but that didn't happen and probably this opportunity was utilized by wangi and by the chinese 
um, you know, just to show that, look, you know, um, China and India are going to talk. It's going to be a bit affair. We're going to talk about Ukraine and we're going to talk about uh, collaborating with Russia. So this could have been one of the things. So, you know, I'm going to uh, probably take up uh, one of the last few questions which I had, but, you know, I have some more questions. Uh, but this question was on quad, which is why I thought I'll uh, pose it to you right away since we, you know, um, talked about the U.S. and uh, India and this chasm. How do you see the quad unfolding given the U.S.'s um, attention now being on Russia and Ukraine, you know, China trying to take advantage of this uh, fact that, you know, now U.S. probably will not be able to put in that much efforts or attention to the Indo-Pacific. Um, so, you know, would China be pleased with these differences arising between the Quad members? Um, I think a very interesting question. And also because we were discussing the Ukraine war, I think one more thing here I would like to say regarding this is that India should definitely make its position very clear. Mm -hmm. At least, uh, you know, uh, we all uh, and uh, maybe um, not researchers like, uh, you know, us, but probably a proper statement. Um, we should also put that effort, bring out articles, talk about it, but also uh, a, a statement should come uh, either from the South Block or at least someone saying that and we should propagate it like the Chinese do at least uh, fully that, okay, maybe our positions, we like you said, we both abstain from voting. But India issued a statement, right, condemning the action. Mm -hmm. And why we are abstaining is very different. Right. China and Russia, stare, uh, uh, stay, uh, they share a very ideological uh, display. Mm -hmm. China is supporting Russia because of the ideological basis and not because, uh, you know, and India, India is unfortunately um, abstaining because we know that we rely on Russia for most of our defense needs. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we should definitely uh, kind of uh, tell everyone that, you know, this is the reason why, but also privately maybe talk to the West and especially the US that this heavy dependency that we have on our defense needs. Mm -hmm. Of course, India is trying to be Atmanirbhar for a long time, but I don't know when that will happen. But at least for now, um, if the West can help us, that dependency will uh, reduce. And that is when India can actually take a stand on certain things, right? Because we, of course, have to think about ourselves. When 2020 happened, the Galwan Valley incident happened, Happened. Uh, did you see anything other than statements? Maybe a couple of countries, that also a couple of countries that actually made statements condemning the Chinese action. Mm -hmm. I didn't see a lot of support for India, mm -hmm. right? But that doesn't mean that we should not take a stand on Ukraine. See, Russia has invaded an independent country, which is morally wrong. And I feel that India should have supported uh, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. The only thing is why we couldn't do it is because we have to think about our own country. We have to think about our own defense needs. And mm -hmm. once that dependency is reduced, I think that we can either privately we can uh, convey to the to you to, to the US or maybe whenever we have our uh, meetings and um, I, I know that the deputy national advisor of the US is right, is here right now in India <laughs> talking to our people here. So I think uh, that needs to be clarified at least because the Chinese propaganda needs to be stopped that India and China see eye to eye on Ukraine. <laughs> now, when it comes to Quad and the Indo-Pacific, see, to me, uh, I always feel that... Um, 
the the concept of of quad was kind of propagated uh, propagated way back 2007 2008 by the japanese mm-hmm. it kind of did not happen because yes the us like many other countries did not think that china will become this uh you know uh the power that it is today because chinese also used um uh everything that they could to kind of you know use the us and uh, you know to uh kind of come to this uh level where it is you know when the us is actually thinking about now indo pacific and the quad mm-hmm. but it's only after the aggression increase the chinese aggression and the military build up increase especially the naval strength increase mm-hmm. that is when again you know we started talking about the quad we started talking talking about the indo pacific to me still i feel a lot of uh energy we are wasting in talking about things be it indo pacific or be it quad yes we've had physical meetings now things were picking up but we still don't have a very clear strategy we are still talking about covid related aid and other things when we are meeting for the quad or the indo pacific strategy but we are not discussing quad or the indo pacific strategy as something to restrain china which of course that we can deny it we can say it on paper but that it is not against any uh, country but we all know why it happened mm-hmm. why quad was formed why we are having this indo pacific strategy mm-hmm. okay so we cannot deny that fact but we have just been talking 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 and now this ukraine war has there are two angles to it of course the us is focusing its energy there europe is disturbed europe is looking up to the us at what is happening what can we do everybody is busy there so a lot of theories have come up okay some are saying that the chinese might take advantage and they might you know invade taiwan at this point of time okay uh, to me i think uh, you know on um, when in february uh, the russian president and the chinese president met to, i mean j- this is just my maybe just a guess but i feel that the russian president did brief even mm-hmm. maybe vaguely but he did brief uh, president xi jinping on his plans for ukraine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right because uh, yes the statements from other chinese officials seem that they were caught unaware but i feel the highest level did know about it mm. the second thing is that the chinese president is definitely watching it very closely and what he is watching is the reaction of the west mm. mm. he is going to see how the us and europe react to this and then <coughs> because um, why he will watch carefully is because he will also calculate their reaction to in case he invades taiwan because president xi jinping is not worried about anyone else right mm. they have been pushing the chinese have been pushing the us in the south china sea they are testing the us as to when the us is going to react mm-hmm. and even you know when discussions on taiwan happen and everybody talks about many things i always say see uh, say this uh, the same thing that the chinese are watching the us the day they realize that the us is not going to interfere mm-hmm. or the us is not a power power any more that can actually interfere is the day they will invade taiwan military you yeah. know using military so to me they are watching it very closely yes some people might say that and i also believe that that ukraine ukraine's value for the us is far less than their value for taiwan because if taiwan is captured their bases in the pacific are open 
and the day the chinese actually captured taiwan and uh, they have their bases there i think us will just be one of the powers it will not be the superpower that it is so yes taiwan is more important to the us but uh, this whole quad thing that is happening and uh, how this ukraine thing will impact i think at least um, seeds of suspicion have been sown um, at least between india and the us i've seen the statements coming in mm. at least from the key people mm-hmm. who seem to be disappointed mm-hmm. with india's reaction mm. and uh, also even before that i and um, in india we've had so many discussions that people have been going mad about talking uh, talking about indo pacific and how and the quad how successful it is but to me nothing tangible has been done for achieved yet mm-hmm. you know we have to put things on paper or we have to start practicing certain things and then we can call the indo pacific strategy a success it's a strategy but we need to put some teeth into it right otherwise it just remains like you know a paper yeah. from you know on the indo pacific yes. from, from the us and we just wasting energy in just talking and discussing things which uh could be secondary as compared to you know the primary motivation behind creating the quad so i'm 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 so i'm so glad that you brought this up uh you know i'll just ask you one quick last question since you know uh we're talking about propaganda and this is one thing which most of the world does not really understand or does not really um you know see how clearly china you know utilizes it so you know china has been trying to portray that um india and um china um have some sort of a common ground on ukraine and on um russia um do you think their propaganda is really being successful you know what kind of narrative are they actually dishing out you know um is it same for the domestic audience and you know or or do you think it's the same for the domestic audience as well as for the international audience See, for the domestic audience, the propaganda, of course, is that President Xi Jinping is going to fulfill the China dream, and there are parts of China dream. The first part, of course, is the rejuvenation of the Chinese nation, recovery of the lost lands. See, that directly impacts India. It directly impacts Taiwan. It directly impacts South China Sea. All these, uh, you know, nations in the South China Sea and East China Sea, mm-hmm. Japan. Mm-hmm. it directly impacts us the domestic audience have been fed this for quite some time right okay that is why i said that reaction on the doklam thing happened where you know there were on weipo there were discussions that india has been paid off and the discussions trust me uh it was not one or two mm-hmm. and it was not for a day or two and that is why the mofa actually came up with this statement mm-hmm. so for the domestic audience even now when i am reading a uh, uh what they are writing um especially the chinese language media mm-hmm. uh there was a one one particular uh, article that kind of uh, gave, gives you an insight as to at least what the chinese are thinking mm-hmm. so they said uh, that article said that uh, yes russia and china have differences we mm-hmm. can resolve our differences later let's first stand up to the bully that the us is once okay. we sort out us together then we will sort out our differences there was an article mm-hmm. in 2013 uh which was uh, <coughs> published in the chinese media mm-hmm. that talked about the six wars that china has to fight okay okay and the six wars the first of course was with taiwan 
mm-hmm. second with india mm-hmm. and uh, can you think of the last country the last war that they wanted to fight was with russia okay so mm-hmm. it's not that russia and china have been buddies right. i mean <laughs> at least both of us know we've um, studied the history we know that the chinese have always been suspicious of the russians and so the russians have also been the same mm-hmm. okay they also have unresolved issues they also have still have uh, you know um, some issues that are unresolved that is why the chinese uh, media even now is saying that we have differences with russia mm-hmm. let's sort out the us then we'll see okay so um this article is very important i sometimes i feel the six words that it gives you an insight as to what they think mm-hmm. about countries now that that is the last word that they are going to fight and that's russia mm-hmm. i think the west the mistake that the west made was to isolate russia and russia had no option but to come close to uh, china mm-hmm. now china is the only country that they rely on for many things right mm-hmm. so we have just pushed russia into the chinese arms and Ch- russia has no other option mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> right now the propaganda at least in china is that whatever russia is doing is uh, is great Justified, they have yeah. stood up to the west mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have taught uh, the west a lesson mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that that is what yes there there have been also there's a second aspect to it the domestic audience especially the chinese uh, there are many people in china mm-hmm. who are also disturbed by china supporting the us uh, sorry the, the china supporting russia mm-hmm. now why they are worried is because the sanctions that are hitting russia mm-hmm. if the west somehow uh, because there are many uh, companies there are many things that they are going to sanction mm-hmm. now if china openly supports russia mm-hmm. it's it's kind of supporting russia but not in a way uh, by joining the war or by openly declaring that they support russia mm-hmm. now once they openly do that the sanctions will hit them also right. now um china uh, once the sanctions hit them already china is in economic trouble yes we see all the numbers that are being displayed and uh, the picture that is being painted that's not the actual picture china is suffering after covid Mm-hmm. it's not that they are not suffering mm-hmm. and if the sanctions hit them it's going also it's going to hit the party cadres right most of them have their money stashed there their kids are studying there mm-hmm. and it's going to affect them the mm-hmm. companies will be the supply chains will be affected the uh, <coughs> the demand will be affected everything is going to be affected mm-hmm. so they are worried that the sanctions are going to hit them so they there's a portion also in the domestic audience that is asking um, you know their government not to support russia openly right so there there is a mixed bag that is going on even for the domestic audience mm-hmm. but what china is doing for the propaganda that it is uh, unleashing is always that um, whenever see there are articles that we see even here that when the us does something uh, you know we always uh, see it in a very different light when uh, you know russia is doing it we are seeing it in a very different light Mm-hmm. and the propaganda the chinese of course is building is that um, you know we uh, we uh, they are not openly supporting russia but they are also not not supporting russia so it they are they, they kind of balancing it out mm-hmm. you know and uh, i think uh, like i said the domestic audience worries are rising but mm-hmm. to me i feel 
President Xi Jinping will keep supporting Russia. That we can see after the Feb, uh, Feb summit, the, the statements that came out. Right. They discussed the strategic things. They discussed everything. The support, China will support Russia. The support will be there. True. True. Though as they will not probably, seen. yeah, yeah, yeah probably not send statement. soldiers. Yeah, yeah. even though they <laughs> yeah. will not send soldiers, but they will do everything else which is following including you know all sorts of support from the state controlled media and because it's state controlled uh what yes. cannot be wished away is that um there is a link between the state and the state controlled media so it's it's really uh, interesting and i hope that you know um all the countries especially the democratic countries take cognizance of this fact that china has a very um, unique position amongst um, this entire crisis and it can actually leverage this crisis to its advantage and if democracies you know fall prey to their propaganda um to their um, disinformation tactics or their uh, all these tactics and you know in which they successfully sow seeds of um distrust then it's just going to be further more difficult so i think democracies need to stay together uh, we all have our own national and strategic interests and we need to understand that so you know this has been such a such an interesting and such a holistic interview and i myself learned so much from all of these um, and i'm really thankful to you you brought in history you brought in you know your language expertise you brought in taiwan so uh, you've covered really all aspects and thank you once again for you know um, agreeing to this interview thank you thank you dr patel for having me it was an absolute delight thank you for tuning in rate this conversation on spotify apple and google podcasts to stay updated visit our website ipcircle.org and follow us on twitter at ip_circle the opinions expressed in this podcast belong to the speakers and do not represent the organizational views held by either the Council for Strategic and Defense Research or the Center for Policy Research.